Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Before you start today's episode, I want to tell you about my current sermon series called Trends Versus Truth. And when something trends, it feels true. You hear it enough from enough people you respect and you assume it has to be true, but just because something sounds right doesn't mean it is right. So what does God have to say about some of the most trendy statements of our time and culture? In this series, we're going to look at five of them. God told me, be you, love is love, who am I to judge, and practice self-care. Oh, this is one of my favorite series of the whole year. I hope you can check it out by looking up Time of Grace with Pastor Mike Novotny wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And of course, you can always watch this series on timeofgrace.org. What do you think you'll be remembered for? What will be your legacy? What will you accomplish during your life that will really make a lasting difference? I think on some level, those questions matter to all of us. The thought of spending our lives working hard and stressing out and losing sleep and then all of a sudden it's just done doesn't really sit well with us. We, we want our lives to matter. We want to make a lasting difference. So how? Well, back in the 1990s, there was a professor at Purdue University who did an experiment using chickens. He, he wanted to see if he could maximize their productivity. And so he started by taking a group of chickens that all by itself was already pretty healthy and productive and he sort of left them alone. He simply let them lay eggs and have chickens who then laid eggs and, and had more chickens. On and on it went for six generations. But then he took another group and, and from the rest of his flock, he sort of handpicked the most productive individual chickens and he put them all in the same group together. The next generation, he did the same thing, took the most productive chickens, put them together, on and on, again, six generations. He, he was trying to create a group of super chickens. So after those six generations, do you know what he found? Well, that first group that he had kind of left alone, it was as healthy and as productive as ever. But when it came to his flock of super chickens, only three of them were still alive and even they were in pretty rough shape. See, it turns out the chickens that were most productive at laying eggs were also the most aggressive, the most violent, the most prone to try and achieve supremacy within the group by attacking the other chickens. And so he hadn't managed to create a flock of super chickens, he created a flock of psychopath chickens. When it comes to being productive, making an impact, making a difference, the world has all kinds of ideas about how to do that. We're taught to be first, to be the best, to strive to rise above the pack and set ourselves apart from our peers to, to achieve and compete and really carve out a name for ourselves. But so often, God demonstrates that he works in just the opposite way. This week, I'm excited to be talking to you about a, a specific group of people from the Bible whose names you might not recognize. At the very least, if the Bible were a movie, you'd probably have to wait and wait and wait to see these people's names in the credits. And yet, God used their very ordinary lives to accomplish extraordinary things. He used their small acts to have a huge impact. And the good news is you can be confident that God's going to do the same for you. This is just how God is. He, he often accomplishes his best and his greatest blessings using what seems to be small, weak, and insignificant. In fact, consider the life of Jesus. 
God used his lowly life, his humiliating death on the cross to accomplish salvation for the whole world. And that very same Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Any life that is connected to Jesus is bound to make a difference. Disney, Ford, Hilton, Jordan. You maybe realize that those names of companies are also the names of people. Some people really manage to make a name for themselves in our world, don't they? So what about you? I'm guessing that you don't have any illusions of, of reaching a level of notoriety like that. And yet it's very natural for us to assume that if our lives are going to make a difference, at least a few people are going to remember our name. Today I want to talk to you about someone from the Bible who had managed to make a name for himself but in a rather interesting way. His given name was Joseph but we're told that the apostles had given him a nickname. They had nicknamed him Barnabas which means son of encouragement. Today we'd probably say Mr. Encourager. And when we think of someone who is an encourager, we usually think of someone who picks other people up. But it can also refer to someone who speaks up for other people. Someone who is an advocate. And on one occasion in particular, Barnabas proved himself to be worthy of that name. You see, Barnabas and the Apostle Paul had already taken one missionary tour together along with a man by the name of John Mark. But on that first missionary tour, John Mark, for some reason, had deserted them. And so when it came time for Paul and Barnabas to take another missionary tour, Paul wanted nothing to do with John Mark. But Barnabas spoke up for him. Barnabas defended him. Barnabas served as his advocate. So here's what happened. Paul and Barnabas actually went their separate ways. The rest of the book of Acts is all about the Apostle Paul and the missionary travels that he took. Meanwhile, Barnabas and John Mark went off together and even among the two of them, it was John Mark who became better known. We know John Mark from the book of the Bible that's named after him. We call it the Gospel according to Mark. So Paul and Mark end up in the Biblical Hall of Fame and Barnabas, Mr. Encourager, he just sort of fades into the background. In a world where everyone is busy trying to make a name for themselves, working hard at making a name for someone else seems to be so counterproductive. Working to include someone who usually gets left out. Working to make sure that everyone on the team receives credit when the project is complete or the game is over. Working to defend someone who is being criticized. It's, it's hard to see how God could use those small acts to have a big impact. But realize that whenever we serve as someone's advocate, we are doing the work that God himself loves to do. When Jesus described the work that the Holy Spirit was going to do, he called him an advocate. It's the Holy Spirit's job to speak to us about God. And when the Bible talks about the work that Jesus is doing right now up in heaven, it calls him our advocate. It's Jesus' job to speak to God about us. First John says this, 
If anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Speaking up for others is the business of God. It's what he loves to do. And so if you're looking to make a name for yourself, work hard at making a name for someone else. How much of an impact can something have if no one is around to see it? That maybe sounds a little bit like that old philosophical dilemma about the tree falling in the woods. But it's an important question for us to consider in a world where so much of what we do is so often put on display for so many people to see. Can something really have an impact if no one is around to see it? Can something make a difference that is vital if it doesn't first go viral? I want to answer that question today by telling you a little bit about a man named Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor that the Apostle Paul sort of took under his wing from a very young age and ended up being Paul's right-hand man. Paul would use Timothy to deliver messages from Paul to Christian churches. Timothy would bring back reports from those churches to Paul. Timothy ended up being a pastor of a very important church in the city of Ephesus. And in fact, two books of the Bible and, and probably countless churches are, are named after this man, Timothy. But really, I tell you about Timothy only so that I can tell you about his mother and his grandmother. Their names are mentioned just once in the Bible, Lois and Eunice. But we know from what Scripture says that, that what Lois and Eunice did for Timothy had a very big impact on him. From a very early age, they would read stories from the Bible to Timothy and teach him its lessons. In other words, what Lois and Eunice did that had such a big impact on Timothy and, and therefore impacted thousands of other people was done when no one was around to see, when no one was watching. And I think there's probably an explanation for that. You see, when we do something that no one is around to see, there's a word that we can use to describe it. And it's the very word that the Bible uses to describe the faith of Eunice and Lois. It's the word sincere. In other words, the opposite of hypocritical. You probably know that Christians sometimes come under attack for being hypocritical, for saying one thing but then doing another. But the reality is, of course, that it's not just our, our sin that can make us hypocritical, it's our goodness that can make us hypocritical as well. If, if the only reason we act a certain way is when other people are around to see. You see, the beauty of doing something when no one else is watching is that, by definition, it is sincere. If we don't just wake up on Sunday mornings and, and get the kids all dressed up and parade them off to church, but, but during the week, every single day, we're in the Word and in prayer. If we spend quality time with our kids, quality time in the Word, and, and we maybe deliberately choose not to post it on social media, they're going to get a very important message. They're going to see very clearly that that is sincere, that that's not just about our image, that's not just for other people to see, that that truly and really matters to us. The Apostle Paul would later write to Timothy about the impact of the sincere faith of his mom and his grandma. He wrote, As for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, 
and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, the beautiful thing about not just being sincere but being sincere specifically about our faith is that those who see it, even if it's just a very small number, will not only see what matters most to us, they'll be seeing the thing that flat out matters most. Apparently, all kinds of people have said it. Texas oil tycoon H.L. Hunt said it. Ted Turner said it. Bill Gates said it. Even Donald Trump said it. All of those people have said, in effect, that in the game of life, the best way to measure who's winning is with money. Maybe you don't feel quite that strongly about it, and you're probably not planning to approach the net worth of, of those kinds of men, but but it's very natural for us to think that the best way to measure how much we've done, how much we've accomplished, what kind of impact we've had is with money. Maybe that's why generosity is sometimes such a challenge for us. Maybe that's why generosity is one of those virtues that, that everyone agrees is a really good thing and everyone is perfectly happy to let other people excel at. That's why today I wanted to tell you a little bit about a woman named Lydia. It seems as though Lydia was a very successful woman. We're told that she was a dealer of purple cloth, a very expensive commodity in biblical times. And so if, if money really is a way of keeping score, we could probably say that Lydia was winning. But when the Apostle Paul came to the city of Philippi and shared the good news about Jesus with Lydia, Lydia began immediately sharing what she had with the Apostle Paul. We're told that she insisted that Paul and his traveling companions stayed in her home. As the church in Philippi continued to grow, they continued to meet at Lydia's house. And it seems as though Lydia's generosity permeated this congregation and even became sort of a defining characteristic. Even after Paul went on and traveled to other places, the Philippians continued to send support and aid to support Paul wherever he went. Okay, so what? Well, the other significant thing to know about Lydia is that she is the first documented convert to Christianity on the continent of Europe. If you know anything about the history of the Christian church, you can maybe figure out that Lydia's generosity has maybe impacted you personally. The good news about Jesus came to this country, came to America from Europe. Many of us can even trace back our personal ancestry to Europe. So as Lydia was generous with what she had, as she continued to support the spread of the gospel in Europe, not only did it have a widespread effect, but for many of us, it also had a very personal impact. To think that of all the ways that we can spend our money, out of all the things that we can do with the resources that God himself has given us, that we could, we could take some of that and use it to support the gospel, Use it to have not just an impact that is widespread, that, that sometimes spans centuries and continents, but to have an impact that literally stretches into eternity. It's no wonder that Paul compared generosity in support of the gospel to what a farmer does, to a farmer sowing seed. No farmer would ever buy tons and tons of seed, pile up his seed to the brim of his silos and, and say, 
Look at how much seed I have. Look at how obviously I'm winning in this game called life. No, a farmer only buys seed so that he can sow it generously and abundantly so that he can fill up those very same silos with grain. And in the very same way, Paul says this, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Just like a teeny tiny seed, even a little bit of generosity can have a tremendous impact. Does it ever seem as though some people have all the luck? Back in the 1970s, there was a Hollywood movie director who hired a local carpenter to install some cabinets in his home. Like a lot of people who work in Hollywood, that carpenter was an aspiring actor who was struggling to find roles and was just about ready to give up on his dream. But the movie director was kind to the young man and even agreed to let him audition for a part in the movie that he was about to start making. Well, that movie director was George Lucas and that carpenter was Harrison Ford. If you're at all a fan of Star Wars, you know how that turned out. Most people would assume that if you're really going to make a difference, you're going to need a little bit of luck along the way. You're probably going to need to be in the right place at the right time. But does it ever seem as though you're constantly in the wrong place at the wrong time, that no matter what you do and how hard you try, circumstances beyond your control seem to be working against you? I'm guessing it seemed that way for a husband-wife team named Aquila and Priscilla. We're told that these two were tent makers by trade and they were working in the most important and most powerful city in the world, in Rome. But it seems as though there was some conflict in Rome between the Jews and the Christians. And so as a result, the Roman Emperor Claudius issued a decree that all the Jews just needed to leave the city. So through no fault of their own, Aquila and Priscilla had to pack their bags, close up their shop, and start all over somewhere else. I'm sure it seemed as though they were the victim of unfortunate circumstances that they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, here's what happened. Aquila and Priscilla landed on their feet in the Greek city of Corinth and there they met another tent maker by the name of Paul. Their relationship with Paul led to a, a remarkable history with these tent makers. They traveled all over the world with Paul as he continued to spread the good news about Jesus. The churches in at least two different cities ended up meeting in, in their homes in Ephesus and eventually back in Rome, the city that they got kicked out of. At one point, Paul went so far as to say that all the churches in the early Christian church knew the names of Aquila and Priscilla and were grateful for their work. And it all started with this decree issued by Emperor Claudius. It all started when it, it seemed as though they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Has it ever felt that way for you? Are you going through setbacks right now? Does it, it seem as though maybe the entire universe is working against you? 
Have you had to start over with your dreams or, or give up on your plans? I don't know if your story is going to turn out quite the way it did for Aquila and Priscilla, but I do know this. I know that your story isn't over yet. And I do know that as much as God can work incredible blessings, when, when everything in your life seems to fall into place, God can do the very same thing when everything seems to be working against you. In fact, the Apostle Paul would later write to the Christians in that city that Aquila and Priscilla had gotten kicked out of. He wrote to the Christians in Rome and he said this, We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Maybe it does seem sometimes like some people have all the luck. But I'd rather have a God who works all things for our good.